Here's another edition of the Northwestern Medicine Pod Talk with Melanie Cole. If you suffer from knee pain, you're not alone. Each year, millions of people visit their doctors because of knee pain. My guest today is Dr. Brian Colelli. He's an orthopedic surgeon with Northwestern Medicine Central DuPage Hospital and Northwestern Medicine Delnor Hospital. Dr. Colelli, tell us about the current state of knee pain today. What is the prevalence and societal impact of knee pain, and what do we know about it that we didn't used to know? Well, I would say that knee pain is very common in the general population, and there are various uh, etiologies to knee pain. Um, Some of those are traumatic following a specific injury, but most oftentimes it's an insidious onset where someone will just uh, develop pain in the knee and won't really recall a specific injury. And the uh, pain can certainly interfere with daily activities and uh, interfere with their workplace. So it has a a big impact on uh, society in general, whether it's the workplace or their uh, special interests outside of work. What are the most common conditions that cause the knee joint to break down or have problems? Well, the most common by far is certainly damage to the cartilage, the articular cartilage, which is the shiny coating on the end of the bones within the joint. And that's certainly the most common. There are other structures in the knee that can be damaged or injured that can cause knee pain, such as meniscus structures, which is a shock absorber, as well as various uh, ligaments in and around the knee. Um, But certainly we see a lot of uh, cartilage damage that causes patients pain. And again, whether that's an acute traumatic injury or just a gradual wearing out of that articular cartilage. Tell us some symptoms. People get knee pain for all kinds of reasons. And if it is arthritis or degenerative in nature, what would they feel? What would send them to see a doctor at that point? Most patients report a vague pain deep within the knee, depending on where the injured structure or structures are. It could either be on the inside of the knee, which we refer to as the medial aspect of the knee, or the outside of the knee, which is referred to as the lateral aspect of the knee, or certainly deep within a knee, um, and various areas of the knee can can cause that location of their symptoms. But uh, they will typically present with an overall vague complaint of just pain, sometimes it's achy feeling. Uh, at times it can be sharp, especially with rotational movements or, or certain specific activities. Um, we see a lot of pain with bending, kneeling, squatting, as well as using stairs, uh, especially with damage to the cartilage behind the kneecap, which is referred to as the patella. What imaging studies do you use? How do you confirm that it is cartilage in nature as opposed to a tendon issue, or a musculoskeletal issue? We typically will start with x-rays. That's our first-line evaluation in orthopedics for pretty much all conditions. And someone with a isolated area of cartilage that's damaged is causing their pain oftentimes will have normal x-rays. Someone that has more widespread damage to their cartilage may have findings on their x-rays that are consistent with osteoarthritis or wearing out of the knee. We usually combine their history 
what they tell us about their symptoms uh, combined with any mechanisms of the injury, uh, in addition to their physical exam and imaging to try to determine whether or not uh, the pain is coming from uh, the cartilage or uh, elsewhere. And we will also quite often resort to MRI. That's our workhorse or a go-to to evaluate the integrity of the cartilage. Uh, some patients are unable to get MRIs for various medical reasons, and sometimes we can also utilize a CT scan, um, sometimes a CT scan with dye, which is referred to as CT arthrogram. So the initial evaluation consists of the x-rays and then more advanced imaging as indicated depending on the physical examination the history, as well as my interpretation of their x-rays. Dr. Kileli, what's the first line of defense? If you determine that there is cartilage damage or degeneration, what are you looking to first as far as non-surgical approaches, whether that be ice, modalities, physical therapy, and then speak about when injection therapy might be used, the biologics that people are hearing about in the media? Well, the first line is treatment for the majority of cases, is conservative. I am a very conservative surgeon, and we have some good data um, based on previous studies that have been performed that uh, a lot of cartilage damage in the knee um, can be successfully managed with non-operative means. Um, we will usually start with um, physical therapy and uh, with combined with activity modification and as well as anti-inflammatory medications, assuming the patient is able to take those from a medical standpoint and have no contraindications to that. That's more or less the first-line treatment. Um, other options include various types of injections and Historically, the most common injections we've been giving these patients have been uh, the various types of co uh, cortisone that's usually mixed with a local anesthetic um, or what's called a hyaluronic acid injection. Another name for that is a gel injection. And those are uh, typically used either to decrease inflammation uh, that's caused by the damaged cartilage or to uh, provide um, a lubrication and decrease friction. Um, newer uh, injectables are becoming available and uh, the, certainly the, the hot area of uh, orthopedics and medicine in general is orthobiologic or biologics in general and uh, we're seeing good emerging data looking at these various biologic injectable products and um, to start off with, one of the most well-studied within the past five to ten years is actually PRP, which is, uh, is platelet-rich plasma, and that's patient's own blood that's been spun down on a centrifuge and re-injected into the knee. The idea behind that is we have um, cells within that um, liquid that can decrease inflammation and uh, to a certain extent provide somewhat of a healing response. Um, other types of uh, injectables on the market are various um, stem cell products and you know stem cell products are uh, there's a wide variation in, uh, in stem cells and, and what we're calling stem cells. Um, most common is, is bone marrow aspirate uh, but certainly um, stem cells can be obtained from uh, adipose tissue. Um, we're, we're seeing new data looking at um, 
synovium, which is the lining, the knee joint, as well as other areas that we can obtain these cells. And uh, preliminary data does suggest that um, it could certainly improve patient symptoms. Um, however, we're still working on uh, better, well-conducted, high-powered studies to um, know more about um, exactly which stem cells are um, the best to use and what concentrations. Um, in addition to the stem cells and the PRP, there's other types of uh, amniotic membrane injections that are on the market that have been proven to be efficacious as well. And, and those injections are not pure stem cells, um, but uh, they do recruit the body's own stem cells to an area of uh, injury or damage. Isn't that fascinating, what's going on with the biologics? Really, it is, Dr. Kaleli. Now, if the discussion, when all else fails and the non-operative management doesn't work for a particular person, what does the surgery discussion look like? What types of procedures are available as far as whether it's chondroplasty or debridement or, or even a joint replacement? When does that discussion take place and what does it look like? So usually in my practice, that discussion takes place uh, once the patient has failed non-operative management. Um, there are various types of procedures that can address cartilage damage or cartilage injuries, um, varying from minimally invasive, uh, fairly quick recovery surgeries to um, fairly invasive, long recovery surgeries. And uh, the type of surgery that's chosen depends on a lot of factors, um, depends on the location of the cartilage damage, where in the knee is it? Is it behind the kneecap or the patella? Or is it uh, other areas of the weight-bearing portions of the knee, including the femur or the tibia? Um, so the location plays a role. Uh, the size of it uh, plays a role as well. How small or how big is it? Uh, in, a, in addition, there are uh, patient factors as well. Um, how old is the patient? Not only uh, chronologic age, but physiologic age. Um, what are their goals and ambitions and expectations? Uh, are they active? Are they sedentary? So those will all play a role. And um, sometimes these um, injuries or damage to the cartilage do require uh, a simple knee scope uh, initially, or arthroscopy, so we refer to it as, and that's a procedure that's minimally invasive done through small poke holes that we're able to visualize the damaged cartilage and uh, sometimes uh, smooth out um, loose fragments or flaps that can certainly help patient symptoms, uh, but it also gives us a better idea of the exact size and dimensions and overall health of the knee, which some of the data the MRIs doesn't give us. And so that's oftentimes a first-line surgical option, and uh, more advanced surgeries include various types of cartilage transplants. And those types of transplants can be uh, either um, what we refer to as autologous, which is the which is, means that it's a patient's own cells or the patient's own tissue. Um, for instance, I can take a small uh, biopsy of their own cartilage at the time of that knee scope and send it off to um, one of the, the biologic companies and their laboratory, and they can actually grow those they can actually grow those cartilage cells in the lab, which can be reimplanted into the knee. Uh, that type of technology is referred to as autologous consciously implantation. Um, um, and that's to um, address any cartilage damage to grow new cartilage. Other types of procedures include um, allograft transplantations, means that we take uh, bone uh, and cartilage from a cadaver graft and transplant it to the patient's
patient's own knee in the area it's injured. Um, these procedures can be performed in isolation or in conjunction with other types of procedures in order to preserve the, the joint, and that's a, that's a true joint-preserving surgery. Um, sometimes if there's uh, malalignment or the, the leg is not aligned properly, it can put too much pressure on one area or the area of the car is transplant, and therefore procedures such as, uh, such as osteotomies can be beneficial to straighten the leg in order to relieve pressure from that particular area. In addition, we can perform meniscus transplants for patients who um, have had previous uh, meniscus removed uh, or if their meniscus is, uh, is damaged to the point where uh, it's non-functional. So those can be combined with these various cartilage procedures. Um, and in addition, there's a lot of um, research right now looking at how we can improve upon these current techniques. And a lot of that research is looking at the biologics and how can we uh, make this tissue that we're growing in a knee or transplanting even better and, and more similar to uh, or the original cartilage. Wow, it's amazing information. Dr. Kaleli, wrap it up for us with your best advice for keeping healthy knees in the first place and what you would like us to know about cartilage damage in the knee, possibly using a brace if you're a, if you're a doctor that recommends using bracing at the beginning. What would you like patients to know if they start to suffer knee pain? Well, I think first and foremost, um, one of the things that patients can do from a preventative standpoint is um, maintain a, a, a low BMI or, or body weight um, and live a fairly active uh, lifestyle. I think that is beneficial for joints. Um, for patients that uh, have pain or discomfort and are suffering from a knee condition, uh, I certainly think that braces can be used. Um, uh, sometimes it, it may not change the um, structural damage in the knee, but certainly can give them some reassurance and, and get them through any kind of short-term uh, um, uh, pain. Uh, in addition, I, I think it's important to uh, have patients be, be honest with what they're feeling. Um, sometimes various joints can be painful for a short period of time, uh, days to weeks to months, and, and it may resolve. Those are minor sprains or minor injuries in the joint. Uh, but for pain that that persists, uh, that's an indication that uh, someone may need to, to see a specialist to have it further looked at um, because if, if pain persists for months or years, that could mean that there's more damage being done. Uh, so I think that living a, a, a active lifestyle, keeping the body weight down, but also being honest with their symptoms and seeing a uh, specialist if these symptoms persist. It's great information. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your incredible expertise on the knee and pain and all of those treatment options available. Thank you again. You're listening to Northwestern Medicine Pod Talk. For more information on the latest advances in medicine, please visit nm.org. That's nm.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for tuning in.